All right, what is up, everybody? Today, we're going to talk about how to best utilize and find a coach, right? This is going to be a little bit more focused from the client's perspective on the best way when we're using any coach of any form, doesn't matter if it's a therapist, a personal trainer, a chiropractor, how to get the most out of that relationship between the client and the coach. And then secondly, which we'll maybe start with first, is kind of how do we find this person? Like when we're in the search for these coaches of any sort, what's the best way to actually find what we need, right? So I was thinking about this this week when I was just talking to a client about stuff and, you know, I was like, you know, going home and I was like, I wonder, like, from a client perspective, like, the process that they go through, because, like, you know, I've never had a personal trainer, but I've had coaches, so it's kind of, I'm assuming it's going to be similar and that's what I want to talk about today. So I'm definitely writing it coming from a coach's perspective on what I think would be best for you guys. Because you need to remember, like, our job as coaches is to get you the best possible results, right? And in order to get the best possible results, you need to be doing some of these things that we're talking about today and really having an understanding that it's still a very small part of our life. So let's jump right into it. Really, when you think about how do we how do we best find somebody? So I'm going to kind of go through my notes here for this one. So number one, I wrote down, always look for a coach that has what you want, right? And what I mean by that is I am a huge believer that using somebody that practices what you preach will get you more out of that relationship and that coach, right? Now, <clears throat> that being said, I know a lot of coaches that, I'm just gonna use personal trainers, that don't look like they're in shape or don't even work out that much, and they are very, very knowledgeable people. So it's not fair to say that they don't understand what they're talking about, but here is my point of view. When a coach is practicing what they preach, when a person, I'm just going to use personal trainer today, obviously, because this is what I do, and this is the easiest thing to kind of explain it from. When I work out and I go through it, I'm working on a lot of the mindset and the accountability and the motivational, you know, you know, dips that we have naturally when we go through workouts. When someone knows what they're talking about, it's easy to correct form. It's easy to coach proper technique and count reps and give them a program. What's not easy is helping them master and overcome some of those mental roadblocks, right? When you think about the mindset that goes into being sustainable with anything that you're doing in life, it requires someone that has that same level of discipline and grit. And it's also nice to know that that person is also going through the same struggles, right? Maybe not to the same degree of that, but they're going through that same exact thing. So when you look at everything that we talk about with any coaching scenario, I think the number one thing to understand is look for what you want, right? So if I want to look a certain way, I like to train with people to look a certain way, right? If I want a certain level of nutrition, if I want a certain business coach, if I want a certain anything, I think it's always nice to make sure that you're finding something that that person's already done themselves and with other clients. Number two is the second thing I like to look for is making sure that you're finding someone that actually complements your weaknesses, not your strengths. Um, and what I mean by that is like having any partnership in life, like if I were to go and create another business and I wanted to work with a partner in starting another venture, I wouldn't pick someone that has the same skill sets as me, right? I'd rather pick someone that has complementary things, right? And generally someone that has complementary skill sets are the things that are actually going to be the opposite of what you have, right? So make something up for this situation. Let's say you're someone that's like, Hey, I love strength training, but I'm not very good with mobility. Uh, I'm not very good with corrective exercise stuff, or I'm not very good with aerobic or conditioning, whatever it might be, then maybe working with a coach is going to be best to work with someone that specializes in mobility or corrective or aerobic. Like you'd rather pick the specialist for the areas that you suffer. 
my kind of statement I've always said for a long time inside of my career is there's no point to paying for something that you're already good at, right? Unless you just want to waste money and you want a support system and someone else there. But in reality, for most of us, like we're trying to buy and purchase a service that is going to help us get closer to our goals. And the best way to get closer to your goals is having someone that is complementary to what you need, right? So really picking something based off your weakness is going to be the number one thing because that's going to be very complementary in its relationship, right? Um Third one I have written down is don't cheap out, fully invest into yourself. I see this a lot, especially with like, I don't know, it's twofold, right? And like in the beginning, I think people are a lot more motivated. So it's easier to get someone to kind of invest into doing a little bit more times a week or spending a little bit more money. And I say this not to just say that you need to spend money to be successful in this, but I do come from a place that I'm really, for me personally, where I want to, like, I spend money on the things I want to improve because I know psychologically when I spend money on a certain thing, I naturally take it more serious. And the more money I spend in a certain area, the more I take it serious, right? Like, I like to spend money on, you know, education for myself. And I don't really cheap out. I just do things that I think naturally. I'm like, cool, I want to learn that. And I don't really second guess that. And we all have, like, and this could be good things or bad things. Like, I have, like, my cars are a financial weakness for me. Um, I don't really hesitate as much as like going out to dinner. I'm like, ah, like, do I really need this? So certain areas, I think it's naturally just to really pay attention to psychologically how you treat that area of life. So if you want to improve yourself, working with a coach is one of the best ways and the fastest ways to get there because you're expediting the process of having accountability, someone that's giving you structure, someone that's educated more than you are. Um, and it's going to help with the motivation overall. So don't cheap out fully invest into that because this is the one investment or one of the few investments in life that actually is strictly improving you alone right it's not an investment to financially make yourself better i mean actually that's wrong because you could have a business coach that could do that so no matter the subject i think i just kind of interrupted myself there like you just make sure you're not cheaping out i think that's one of the big mistakes people do is like oh you know i just want to be a little bit more cautious and maybe i'll only do this one or two times a week not fully investing and not fully committing to something is also going to be the thing that's not going to really give you the result that you were looking for or at the timeline and pace that you were looking for. So making that a full commitment from yourself, both financially and mentally, is going to be the thing that's really going to get you to connect the dots from where you are to where you want to be. Fourth one, shop around. Do not need to pick the first one. It's long term. So I think... Uh, this is easier said than done because like I'm going through this right now with like kind of in the business space, like shopping around for contractors or, you know, like when I had my back injury 12 years ago, I went through five different chiropractors before I found Justin Brink, which is the guy I loved. Um, and I had that relationship for 12 years before he moved or 10 years, I'm sorry, before he moved to Idaho. So most coaching things that we should work for, I think are, are a little bit more long-term situations. Um, that's also kind of just coming back to that previous point. Like when you fully commit to something and you fully invest into something, you should be playing the long game, right? I think too many people, and we see this, especially in the fitness space, like they do something for a short term. I'm just going to do this for 90 days or three months and just kind of see how it works. Right. And then they don't really even fully commit to the 90 days. And they're like, ah, it doesn't work. So I'm just going to stop. Right. And people are on and off, on and off where I have like an injury to my arm. So I'm just going to stop working on completely. They find these little excuses or setbacks and they just basically are like all in or all out, right? So when you are in the process of looking for a coach and you're in the process of shopping around for somebody, take the time to shop. Remember that there is always going to be more work in the first stage of any journey. And that work is a little bit of annoying, but I think in order for you to financially make a smarter move and also making sure that you're finding the right person that you vibe with, 
because um, the last thing you know and this is one of the things that's i don't want to say it's like a pet peeve towards coaches but like if you're a coach that really doesn't give a shit about your product or your service, it, it gives the person that is receiving that service or product a bad taste in their mouth. And then suddenly the entire industry or entire position gets labeled as not working, right? Um, so it's a fault of both, right? Because bad service from coaching is obviously going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of the client. But just because you had one bad experience with a coach doesn't mean that all coaches are bad or a waste of time or money. So I think it's important to shop around, find the right personality, find the right alignment for the views, for what you want, for whatever the goal might be. Um, and just understand that it's a long-term relationship, right? So it's not, it's just like any other relationship. I don't just find, you know, when I'm single, the first woman I meet, but cool, I want to marry this person. It's like, maybe you get lucky and you can do that, but it's very, 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 very rare. You're going to go through multiple exchanges. You're going to go through multiple relationships. And sometimes these things are just like, hey, I'm going to start with a, a five pack, or I'm going to start with one session, or I'm going to do a trial session, or I'm going to get a little feel for how it, you know, how it is, but just don't be mentally distressed or set back if it doesn't work because at the end of the day i think it's important that you are trying to find something that's going to be a long-term relationship and that is not easy and that requires time um last one is don't be afraid to fire them in that process um i think a lot of times and this we see this even just in general relationships so this is like relationship psychology there's no need to stay in a relationship for the sake of being in a relationship right so the relationship with between you and your girlfriend or you and your friend or you and your family um, are treated no different. Obviously, the relationship between you and a coach is a little bit more transactional because you are paying for a service, so you expect that certain level of service to come back. So if you are not happy with the service or they're not providing what they told you or they're not providing what you thought you went into it intentionally going into it with, um, then you should fire that person and don't be afraid to fire that person. Now, don't like just fire for the sake of firing, right? Like I think there needs to be a balance between, oh, well, this person gives me all like, hard workouts or gives me cardio and I like the strength stuff like you know I think that's where the fine line needs to be drawn from the client you know from your guys' shoes is like remember you're hiring somebody to compliment the bad part of you right or the weaknesses of you so when they do stuff that's hard or they do like really address the weaknesses remember that that's actually a good thing so I don't think that's a reason to fire I think it's really when I say fire somebody is like if they're not doing any of what they said or that relationship you don't look forward to that i think is a little bit more justifiable right because like i think for me and i'll speak for myself well, my clients and maybe my clients listeners can tell me otherwise but like i have a good relationship with my clients i look forward to seeing my clients and i think my clients to a certain extent look forward to seeing me and that relationship and that like um that energy that we bring to the table as coaches i think needs to go for all coaches right because when you can get the client excited about being there then the work that you're giving them just feels a little bit easier, right? Because there's a relationship aspect that you've built that has made it so much easier for that person to actually look forward to it. So <clears throat> something super important to think about. Okay, so now I want to go over and transition to, that was kind of like how to find the best one. Now I want to go over to like how to utilize your coach, right? Like inside, now we found this person we're working with. What's the best way to really get the most out of that service that you're trying to do? So be the client, not the coach. I would say this was definitely the first one that I wrote down because it's just like, I see this one the most. A lot of times a client will join the gym. They have their limited beliefs. They have a little bit of a closed-minded approach or a lot of bit of a closed-minded approach to certain things. And instead of listening, instead of being open-minded, and instead of remembering that they are paying a professional to help them, they think they still know more than the coach sometimes, right? 
And to be honest with you, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. These are not blanket statements. I'm sure there are clients maybe that are smarter than some newbie coaches. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. In order for that relationship to work, there needs to be a certain amount of trust that's given from both sides. You know, I trust my girlfriend, I trust my family, I trust my friends, I trust my clients. Like, there needs to be that trust that's given because when the trust is not given, it's a very toxic relationship. So remember that if you really want to get the most out of your client, you are your co as a client from your coach, you need to walk into these situations super open-minded. You need to remember that you are the one paying money for their service, so you should trust their service that they're providing. It is not the easiest thing to do. It doesn't matter if I'm getting a haircut, a massage, or a chiropractic session, or a training session, or a business coaching development session. Like it's very easy to go in skeptical to certain uh, skeptical 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 i feel like i'm saying that wrong whatever um it's very easy to go into that thinking that right so i think like in order for it to really work you just have to kind of like let that part go and trust the process of what they're doing now over time obviously if that process is not producing a result then yeah there's a couple areas that we can look back and reflect on is that relationship for the coach working or am i not doing the work or whatever um, but I think the number one thing to remember is like, be the clients, be receptive, listen to what they're doing, right? And what, listen to what they're giving you because they have hopefully your best interest in their mind. I know when I go into a session, I'm not training them for me. I'm training them for them, right? Like I want to make you better and get you closer to your goals. So in order for that to actually happen, you need to trust what I'm giving you because I've listened to what you want. I've listened to your history. I've listened to your goals. Now I'm going to try to apply so I can connect those dots. Um, number two, ask more questions, be open-minded and listen, right? And kind of a little bit more piggybacking what I was talking about. I think, uh, we have to remember this. We don't learn anything when we're talking, right? We really don't like it, it just in life in general. just remember like you don't learn by talking, you learn by asking and listening. So in a relationship, especially a professional transactional relationship of coaching, you need to make sure that you're trying to do your best to always be asking questions, staying open-minded into it. But listen to those things, right? And it's a kind of a piggyback to that first statement I made. But I'll try to get out of the aspect of telling, you know, like, well, I know this does because I've done this. You know, like a lot of times clients will tell us, like, what works. And I'm like, oh, well, my body's different. You know, my body doesn't build muscle the same way. Okay. You're not a fucking freak, okay? And you're not any different than most human beings. There might be little things that we tinker with. But in reality... A lot of it is the same bullshit that we've been lied to as coaches all the time. And it's like, no, we've heard this story before. I need you to relax. I need you to listen. I want you to ask questions because I want to make sure that you're educated in this process. But don't tell me what you need or don't tell me what to do. Not because there's an ego behind me, because like, this is what you came to me for. Because if you knew what to do, why the fuck are you here? Like, no one goes to coaching because they know what they're doing already and they're very successful at it. We get coaching because, you know what? I've addressed mentally to myself that I'm not that successful by myself or I can't do this by myself or I'm not that motivated or I don't understand what the hell I'm doing. So have that trust. Give it across the table, okay? Do the work for at least three weeks and ideally three months, right? <clears throat> My third note for this one is a lot of times uh, people come into it with a very short-term mindset. Um, I always like to look at it this way. 21 days to build a habit, 90 days to build a lifestyle, right? And I, this is why we do a 90-day commitment on our memberships here. Um, this is why if I ever do challenges, when I do, I tend to do them 21 days. Uh, I'm a big believer that you should go really, really, really hard for three months, right? Now, here's the thing. A lot of people will give three months of commitment, but they will not give three months of 100% effort. I think it's important to understand that the beginning part, the process, the beginning stage, always going to be the hardest, always going to be the most work. 
Number two, you're trying to build habits that you don't have. It's much easier to sustain habits that are already built than it is to create new habits that don't exist. So understanding that there's going to be a lot more workload for you to do it, right? So going to a gym, working out twice a week, and doing nothing for five days a week is not going to work. Starting and working with a dietitian and doing 60% of what they tell you and 40% and just you say, ah, fuck it, I don't really think I need to do that. You're not fully committed to it, right? So the full commitment part is a huge piece of the relationship between the coach and the client. And make sure that you're fully committing to at least three months of it, right? I would say like number one, whatever process, whatever little thing that you're doing, it has to be 21 days straight of you doing that exact thing. And then you can adjust because 21 days will at least give you enough information if something's working. You know, if 21 days I worked out 15 times and I dieted all 21 of those days and I was strict with my sleep and I was better with my, you know, all those things, right? And you start to see a result, you have some credibility because there's a result and a process that's showing that, right? Now, if you did something straight for 21 days and didn't see the result, that just means that what you're currently doing is not working. We just need to switch it. But no matter what, the work and the commitment to the work doesn't change, right? So even though I might change the plan within the first few weeks, I'm not changing my level of commitment to the plan, right? Because that plan is always going to be adjusting. It's very dynamic. Um, but you also need to really, really sit tight for those things because I think a lot of people, you know, they want to do Pilates twice a week and then strength training, you know, twice a week and then running once a week. And they're kind of a little bit like spread out. You know, I've always kind of had this like mindset that like, focus on depth versus like width in the beginning like i think a lot of people try to do a little bit of everything in the beginning versus doing a lot of one thing right like get really good at doing one thing like if you want to run start running three four or five times a week right obviously it needs to be programmed accordingly right like you really want to start taking your diet serious don't just do it on monday through tuesday when you're motivated like figure out ways where you get more commitment out of yourself because the more commitment you have into a program and into a person into a coach the more faith that you give us the better your results are. When your results are better and your motive, because results are going to give you motivation, right? So when you think about results being the driver of motivation for a lot of us, I personally, and I know most coaches probably feel the same way, I love working with motivated clients because you guys are fun. You guys are excited about the process. You guys are excited about the journey that's you know that you have and that you're working on. When someone's not motivated, they're showing up late, they're not they're giving half ass effort, they're kinda tired, they ain't doing shit on the other days that they're not with us. It's like, of course you're not gonna see results. Not only are you making my life more miserable because it's making my job harder, but you're also not seeing results, which makes you look bad and makes me look bad, right? Because that means we're doing something that's not working and that's a waste of both people's time. Right. And it's just it's toxic for both people. It's not toxic for one person. So that's always something to remember is like a commitment for a certain timeline. 90 days is always my thing. Um, kind of the lot, the fourth one that I wrote down was like fully commit to get the most out of it, which I think I've kind of been talking about a lot. It's like really in order for that relationship in any way to work, there has to be a commitment. The last thing I want to write down, which is the last thing I'll talk about today, uh, <clears throat> or at least out of the notes that I have, is remember that you only spend, you know, a few hours with us out of the 168. Um, I think that's a relationship and uh, a conversation probably even better that should be had before you even start as a coach to a client. Um, but I think as a client, you need to understand that there's going to be um, a lot of work that we'll do together, but there's going to be more work that you need to do alone, right? And unless you're someone that has a trainer five days a week and has a chef and has a dietitian, you know, and has a therapist and has a chiropractor, I'm trying to think of all these different coaches, a business coach, all these things, unless you can afford to have that, even then a lot of times a week, there's still so many hours where you're by yourself. So there's going to be a certain amount of motivation and accountability that we're going to put back on you because we want you to be successful without us. You shouldn't be dependent. I want to teach you how to fish and I want to fish for you.
Um, that comes back to that motivation piece. Obviously, it's a little bit of both parties trying to enhance motivation. Like, while well, we want to find ways for you to self-motivate yourself, but I also want to find ways as a coach where I can motivate you. And ideally, it's by making the experience a little bit more fun, making your success with what you're doing a little bit more achievable. Um, and once those things start to improve, both client experience and client success, yeah, naturally you have more motivation. But, you know, three hours a week is like a 2%. And that means 98% of your life is with yourself. So any relationship, any coach, it does not matter the person it is. Remember that they only control a certain amount of hours and a very, very small percentage of hours that they actually see you where they can provide that conversation and the knowledge and the structure and the accountability. But we're hoping that the structure that we're giving you and the education that we're giving you in the form of accountability that's being provided by always constantly meeting you weekly or once a week or multiple times a week or monthly, whatever it is, that next time I see you, I want X amount of things done. Here's my action items for this week. I want you to do this and this. By the time I look at you next Monday or we sit down and talk, I'm going to ask you, how did those things go? And are we having conversations and are those little checklists being really appropriated? So those are huge pieces. So remember, if you're looking to find a coach, you're looking to optimize what you get out of coaching, follow all those talking points that we went through today, right? And really remember that just like any other relationship in life, there is no need to look at a relationship between your personal trainer and your wife or husband or your family or your brothers or sisters or your friends, any different, right? There's obviously context to that. Like I'm not going home with my clients and sleeping with them. Like that's my girlfriend. You know, like I'm not saying treat everybody the same, but that the, the psychological foundation of a relationship is built the same way. The amount of trust that I required to give my girlfriend in order my relationship to work has to be the same amount of trust that I give back to it, right? The amount of commitment that I give to my girlfriend should be the same amount of commitment I give to my trainer and my friends and my family. I don't want to be half committed to something, right? So just understand in order for any relationship to work, it's a two-way street. There's a lot of communication that's required. Um, and that's kind of the last piece that I want to leave you guys with. And this is something actually I wrote down at the very top is like you need to be like transparent, right? In order for any relationship to work, transparency is what makes it work, right? When you withhold information, I tell this to my team all my time, like I can't guide you guys the right way if you don't tell me what you want. Like if you don't tell me what your goals are and really why like to a visceral level what that goal means to you, I am just giving you shit and hoping it sticks, right? Like I want to be really, really methodical and intentional with what I'm doing as a coach with my clients and my employees and my friends and my relationship. And in order for that to actually be something that I can do correctly, I need to make sure that the conversation is very transparent. Like as long as we're communicating back and forth and we're transparent with each other in this process, then I can be like, okay, now I know what to give this person because they're actually being like to their core, they're being honest with me. If you're giving me a very superficial kind of answer of like what you want, what you need, then I'm giving you a very superficial level of service and that's not gonna work for both parties, right? So hope this is something you guys can take something out of. Um, this is something anybody else needs to listen to or wants to hear. Share it with people. Other than that, I will see you guys next week. Take care.